Good evening, and uh, welcome to service tonight for everybody that's joining us. You have me instead of uh, Brother Jaron or Brother Keith, who are both working, so uh, we want to just welcome you uh, wherever you're at, whether you're in your homes or if you're on the road traveling uh, and you have your phone, you're pulled over on the side of the road because you're driving like some of our truck drivers are tonight, you're uh, streaming the service, just want to welcome you and encourage you to uh, enter in the service. And uh, I was talking to Brother Barry before the service, and it is amazing, he said, how you actually do feel the pull uh, from our uh, congregates at home. So uh, enter in with us as we worship here a little bit before uh, Brother Barry comes. As you can see, we are uh, live here uh, from the sanctuary uh, with about six, seven of us. And uh, so we're going to sing a few songs, and then uh, Brother Barry will come tonight and uh, bring the word. We're going to start off by singing, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. I'm thankful that He lives, aren't you? That uh, That's the whole reason we're here, amen? And because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, Brings new life 
to the hopeless there's no doubt about it he's my lord yes he's my Aren't you thankful for that? 
service and a word of prayer. Got a few prayer requests. Brother Matt, if you could keep playing that uh, Mercy Rewrote My Life. A couple things. Number one, um, we want to continue to remember uh, those that are uh, our medical workers that are on the front lines. Amen. We want to remember them in prayer. And also continue to remember our truck drivers that I mentioned before, those that are working in essential services, those that are in the uh, food industry. I want to continue to remember them. And prayer is uh, we have folks that are keeping the distributions centers full, as well as those that are on the uh, medical field, our nurses and our doctors that are in our congregation. We just want to continue to remember them in prayer. The Lord will protect them. We want to remember our sister Sherry. Uh, last night she actually fell and hurt herself uh, pretty bad and she's going to be going into rehab and they're saying it's going to take her probably two to three weeks um, in rehab so we just want to continue to remember her uh, in prayer Uh, Sister Carol Henley's brother had uh, surgery on cancer and uh, so he's recovering so we want to remember him in prayer Uh, we want to continue to remember uh, our brother Barry in prayer as uh, He's recovering from surgery. We also want to remember him in prayer that the Lord will give him wisdom and strength. This, uh, he doesn't say it a lot, so I'm going to say it for him. He needs prayer. This is a lot of stress that is on our pastor with making decisions on how we come back and when we get back. And uh, I 
I would just ask that you uh, continue to remember him in prayer and that the Lord gives him strength and wisdom. Also, uh, Brother Barry's sister, Regina, is uh, having surgery, so we want to remember her in prayer. And if you're at home or you're away and you have unspoken prayer requests, I would just say make it by an uplifted hand that God is there. He still answers prayer, amen, no matter whether you're physically here or you're at home with your family or you're on the road and you're watching right now streaming. God still answers prayer, amen. So uh, just I would ask that you put your prayer requests before the throne tonight. Brother Steve. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this evening's service and the opportunity to hear your word. And Lord, for the privilege to be able to respond. And Lord, we ask your blessing upon this service. We ask that you'd move anything out of the way that would hinder the moving of your spirit wherever we are located. If it's in our living rooms or offices or wherever it may be, Lord, we pray that you'd move among, among your people. Lord, we're so thankful for your word and for your truth and lord may you speak to us as you desire tonight lord we give you this opportunity lord we thank you for um, protecting us through these times and for being with us lord and uh, these are, are are difficult times in a number of different ways but we also thank you for the leadership that you put in place that cares enough about us to keep us protected lord we believe we'll get back to a new normal, but Lord, we we believe that you are always the same. And so, Lord, we rely on that consistency. We have faith that you are with us even in the midst of the storm and even in the midst of the trial, however difficult it may be. Lord, for the many needs that we have, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Lord, we bring them all before your throne this evening. As the body of Jesus Christ, we have faith that you can move on on the on the on behalf of the lives of the individuals that, that need you the most, Lord, and all of us who perhaps have unspoken requests, those who are recovering from surgery or from an accident, Lord, we pray that your blessing would be upon them, your healing would go with them. For those who have financial issues and whatever other um, uh, health issues that they may have, Lord, we pray that you'd be with them. We love you and we thank you so much. We thank you for your love and for your truth. We pray that you'd be with us tonight. We give you this service. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, Brother Steve. We're going to sing that song, um, I Feel the Pool. At night I lay in bed and I begin to cry. At night I lay in bed and I begin to And my mind just fails to know exactly why I can't explain with tongue or pen The Spirit's groaning deep within It must be God here in my soul Cause I feel I feel the pole. I hear the call. 
sing one more little chorus here before we begin tonight. God bless you all. We greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's great to have all of you here tonight. Good to have all of our e-audience tonight and the many people who stream and archive afterwards. And also great to have the the maximum that we can have in the church here this evening. Uh, We greet all your folks and God bless you. Good to have you here. Uh, We always need the... um, the scattered few here to amen real loud so that we can uh, have your presence felt here. Uh, we're still using our amen buttons, so if you uh, want to do that on your phones, you're certainly welcome to uh, send an amen. That always is uh, helpful. So let me just begin this evening here, and I want to uh, make a couple of announcements, and I'm going to ask you to lock in with me now for a few moments and uh, follow me as we uh, go through a couple of things here that are very important for our church. Just want to say I thank, uh, I'm thankful for what Ben brought tonight and making the announcements that he did. And I just want to underscore 
the request for Sister Carol Hanley's brother, uh, who went through bladder cancer surgery and is just having a t- real tough time. And so we would just ask you to remember that need in prayer. Uh, we have a special unspoken request, and uh, that is an important one. And then we also, uh, today coming down, I stopped in to see Sister Molly, and she is just clinging on to life. That's, uh, that's where she is. And I uh, spent some time with the family there and with her, and I was just praying that uh, for Sister Molly, I know that her desire would not be just to linger in that condition. And um, I know Sister Molly was a person who loved life and enjoyed life and enjoyed being in church. And I know that she would rather either be completely healed or completely taken across the other side. And so that's the way we're just praying that the Lord would have his way and and fulfill his uh, will in her life. Uh, Also, too, last Sunday we prayed for Brother Hector Alfaro's mother, who was 94. Uh, She was dealing with cancer, lives up in Illinois. Uh, She slipped across the divide as well on Monday. And so I told Brother Hector we would sure be remembering her in prayer. Uh, I want to just... Uh, have a word of prayer just as we begin this evening here, and uh, then we'll take a couple of announcements and then get into the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity we have to be able to bring our requests and our petitions before you. And now in the name of Jesus Christ, we ask, Lord, that you would just speak to these needs, Lord. There are many, and there are many concerns, many burdens that we bear. Some, Lord, that never, ever get spoken. They're ones we carry in our hearts. And now tonight, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask, Lord, that you would comfort those that are mourning. And, Lord, we pray that you would comfort those who are holding on to loved ones at serious times in their life. And so we just bind our faith together. We pray for these people, Lord, that are at your door knocking and looking for an answer. Father, we thank of Brother Ron Spencer tonight as well. And thank you, Lord, for the good report that he has received. But, Lord, we, we know there's still a ways to go. And so we just commit him into your care as well. I think of my own family, Lord, and I'm thankful for how you have protected us. I'm thankful, Lord, for how you have protected the members of our assembly. And, Lord, I just pray you continue to do that. And also, Lord, asking you to bless this service and guide us in your will, we pray, in the future. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. I want to show you a picture here that I was very excited about. That's this one right here. Those are church age books going out of China into Mexico City. And they're just, uh, the next picture is one on the truck, and then they're on the boat and on the way. So we're very, very thankful for that. It's very difficult to get anything done now administratively in most countries because most countries are locked down. In third world countries, it's more difficult because the administration is, tends to be slow and cumbersome anyway. But by God's grace, uh, we've been able to work with the folks in Mexico, and we're working with the other three countries in Honduras and uh, the other nations there to get the books uh, ready. They're all printed, all palleted like this and ready to go. We also have a large shipment of these books coming to us so that we can distribute some for here for the folks that speak uh, the Spanish language. And so they're going to be sent uh, all over the world also in smaller quantities from here. And those are en route uh, on the way already. So we're thankful for that. The quarantine, in one sense, just to give the devil a black eye, has allowed our translators to be more full-time than normal because they can't do anything else. 
So they're writing me and letting me know their progress. Uh, Brother Anwar has almost finished the rewrite of the Church Age book in the Urdu language, and then we're going to go right into that and uh, print that for them. And uh, just many other uh, brothers that are working diligently to try to get this done. And like I say, they're just capitalizing on time locked up at home. Uh, No better use of your time than to be doing that for the Bride of Christ. Now, I'm going to ask you to lock in here, and uh, I want you to... um, just follow um, what we're going to be doing here over the next couple of weeks at HBT. And by God's grace and with the help of uh, our deacon brothers and our trustees and uh, the ones who are involved here, we're going to be doing a slow phase reopening here of the church. What that will mean is that this Sunday coming, we're going to do an outdoor service. That outdoor service will be held under the shelter and on the grassy knoll adjacent to the shelter. Sorry, but it is a knoll. I looked at it tonight. We are reopening this as an outdoor function. We have uh, permission from the Catawba County Health Department, who I spoke to today, and also the Catawba County Sheriff, Catawba County Sheriff's Department. You say that fast and see how you do. And we, uh, I talked to them today and yesterday, and they uh, gave us the parameters and boundaries for us to be able to have a meeting uh, just like that. So at the end of this service, as soon as it's posted on the website, you will receive a link in your email account that will give you access to that document, and it will have on it everything you need to know about coming to the service on this coming Sunday. It will have what you need to wear, what you need to bring, where you're going to be seated. It will have all of that information on there and what you'll be able to do when you come on the grounds here. The reason we're doing that is to try to keep everyone safe, everyone a little separated, and able to get back and be able to hold service outside. If you're uncomfortable coming or you're not uh, feeling well, uh, you're invited to stay home. And we are going to be streaming as normal. And I want to say again, I say this every service that I appreciate Brother Jeremy's uh, work over and above the call of duty We are going to actually stream this service from the outside and allow you to be able to have a link so that it will be the normal link that you can uh, dial into and uh, be able to follow the service. It will be a different angle, but you will be able to do that. And so we appreciate the work that's gone into this uh, in a great way. Uh, If you want to get a seat in the shade, I'd advise you to come a little bit early so you can get underneath the shelter there because the shelter is only so big. But uh, we're going to be doing that. It's going to be a very simple, streamlined service. So it'll become, we'll have a little bit of singing. We're just going to have a piano, that's all. And we're going to have a little singing, a little worship. And then we're going to have the service. And then we're going to dismiss you and let you go home. So it won't be a fellowship time, but it'll be an opportunity for us to be able to get together. One of the things that you need to really think about is that we have boundaries that are given to us by the state and by the county and by our deacons here uh, in, in, in helping us to know how we should act when we come on the property. All of that is documented in that, uh, the, uh, the writing that I'm, that I'm sending you now. Uh, it's all there, so we're going to ask you to respect that. And I feel like that if we can respect those boundaries In an outside service, we'll probably respect them on an inside service as well. So for this Sunday and for next Sunday, we will have services under the shelter. Lord willing, if the county, uh, or sorry, if the state allows it, we'll be able to come back into our assembly May 31st. Okay, that'll be our first service, not before, but that'll be our first service uh, coming into the church. 
and we're uh, preparing now. There's actually work and renovations that are going on here, uh, but we want to be completely ready for everybody when we have an indoor service, and we're going to have a smaller crowd because we have to have reduced capacity. At least that's what we've been told. We realize that all of this changes. We realize that all of this is in flux. We realize that all of, uh, you know, our, our thoughts about how we need to act when we're reopening uh, can change by the time we get there. But you will receive another uh, email prior to coming into the assembly here. And, uh, again, you know, we want to, we want to keep everybody safe. And I, I, I'm going to address this Sunday just so that you're clear from the Scripture uh, what it is that we should be doing when we come together and why uh, we have these boundaries in place and why we should respect them. So I'll deal with that just for a little bit on Sunday. Uh, but I would ask you just to be respectful of the things that you're going to be asked to do when you come on here. Hey, we don't want to stifle the Holy Spirit, but we just want to come together and enjoy one another's company. We want to be able to hear the sound of everybody singing together. Uh, we don't want to shake your hand, but we want to see your face. And uh, we want to join our licks of fire together and be able to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Uh, as Brother Steve said so ably last Sunday morning, that uh, even though the community of the church is not, you know, has been fractured or uh, been uh, disconnected over the last little while, the church is still together, and we just want to enjoy one another's company on Sunday. So it'll be regular time, 1030. You don't have to dress up because it's going to be an outdoor event, and uh, we can uh, be able to fellowship together uh, at the normal time. All right. So if you have any questions about anything that you're going to get in an email, you feel free to contact me any time at all, and I'll be glad to answer your questions. And if I don't have the answer, I know someone who does, okay? I wrote that document today. I put that document together today so I know what's there. But if you have any questions at all or any hesitations or any doubts, not only about that, but about anything that I've done over this, these couple of months or anything that any decision that's been made about the church, you have open access to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you're welcome to ask me any question you might have. So I want you to feel free to do that. And if I don't have an answer, I'll make up something and tell you. Not really. I will make sure that you have an answer to, to your questions. I'm only joking. But we are uh, glad to, um, you know, provide the information that you need and all the, you know, all the boundaries to keep everybody happy and safe. So that's our desire. Uh, Again, uh, that document will come to you. It will also have a copy of the governor's uh, orders and explanation there about having uh, indoor services, outdoor services, and funerals. He's articulated that in the, uh, in the uh, footnotes of the executive order, uh, and it will be there. So uh, all of that information will come to you. Okay? So, again, uh, if, if you're not well and you're not, you're not comfortable coming with a, with a, a group around you, uh, you know, you're certainly welcome to stay home. You'll be able to stream. You'll be able to listen and follow along uh, just like normal. Okay? The view will be different, but uh, the sound should be identical, and uh, we'll be glad to minister to you in that way. All right. Thank you for your attention. And, uh, again, if there's any questions or any issues at all, uh, then, Lord willing, uh, we'll be able to answer all of those for you. And remember, May 31st is the date that we are planning uh, to be able to hold service. We may have to split the group between this building and the fellowship hall. Uh, we may have to do that uh, just depending on the orders that are given. But for the next two Sundays, we'll be meeting outside under the shelter, and uh, we'll have our Wednesday night services just like normal. Let's sing Have Your Way as we begin tonight. We look to the Word. Why don't we have everybody stand while we read the Scripture tonight. Sing with me. 
your blessing on the word tonight. Quicken it to our hearts. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. And amen. I'm going to ask you to take your Bible if you don't mind and we're going to talk about interruptions. We're going to look in two places in the scripture and let's go to Nehemiah the 6th chapter first of all. Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse 1. Interruptions. That's an unusual title because this is a little bit of an unusual thought. This has been on my heart for a long time, and I've pondered this and thought about this for a good while. And as I began to look at it, I thought, well, what am I going to preach about? Because I don't find this anywhere in the Scripture until I began to look. And when I looked, let me tell you something. This is just something that I think is going to be a blessing to you. Nehemiah chapter 6. We're just going to read the first four verses. Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall, that there was no breach left thereon, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they sought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I'm doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times, and after this sort, I answered them after the same manner. May the Lord add his blessing. You may be seated. I'd like to... I'd like to deal with this little subject here in in the way of giving you an evening full of examples of this word interruption in the Bible. That's what I want to do. I want to share with you what I mean by interruptions, biblically speaking. So let's take our Bible and let's look at two different places here, if you don't mind. We're going to look at, uh, well, we're going to look at a few more than just two. But let's just start in Luke chapter 1 this evening here. Now, we're going to come back to Nehemiah, but we're going to come back a little bit later on that. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been reading the book of Nehemiah. Every night before I go to bed, I have my Bible by the side of my bed. I actually have a Bible that Sister Shirley Lingle gave me that I keep by the side of my bed. And it's just got a great feel and a great, uh, uh, it's, it's just, just a great Bible to have by your bed. And she gave it to me years ago, and she was bringing it in. She had an extra one and was putting it in the lost and found. And I happened to be in the library at that time, and so I scooped it up. And I, I just really have appreciated that, that Bible very much. 
And uh, I've been reading the book of Nehemiah, and I've been reading it thoroughly and reading it over and over again. And it's just been a great blessing to me. All kinds of things that have just been jumping out at me, I think, that are very, very pertinent to our time. Where uh, Nehemiah and the people are recovering from a great interruption. Now, in the book of Luke, we find in verse 8, it came to pass while he, Zechariah, executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. This was the routine. This was the, uh, the, the ministry that uh, Zechariah had in the temple. And he did it faithfully. He did it according to his course. He did it according to the customs and uh, according to the routine that they had in the temple. This is very ordinary for Zechariah. This was his job. While he's doing that, okay, according to the custom, while he's doing that, and the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing by the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled. So would you. And fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Zacharias was interrupted by this angel. He's doing the normal course of, of, of burning incense. This is Everybody's there. Everybody's in their position. Everybody's worshiping and praying, it says, outside. And here's Zechariah doing the faithful job of just adding incense and keeping, those, uh, keeping the, the smoke rising up, which was typical of the, uh, of the prayers of the saints that uh, go up into the presence of God. And all of a sudden, the angel's standing right there in front of him and interrupted what he was doing. And he says, even the angel has to say to him, fear not. He says, I'm sent from the presence of God. That is an interruption. Now, I want you to take a note of what Brother Branham says about that interruption. He says, a minister, a clergyman, this is Zechariah is talking about, well learned. But he failed to believe the angel. We know, remember, we, we know a few verses later uh, when he's told uh, about the commission that he's given to give to Zechariah. Uh, Zechariah questions this and his voice is taken away from him. And he said, well, how can these things be? I'm old and my wife is old. Well, how could these things be? And the angel says, I'm Gabriel. That's sent from God. And when God speaks anything, it's just got to be so. But just so, watch now, but just so routine in his work. That he couldn't vary a bit from just what he was taught. And that's what the, that's about the condition of the church is today. Just your regular routine. And usually God comes around and interrupts that all the time with his program. I'd like to read that last portion again if you don't mind. But just so routine in his work. Not wrong. Brother Branham doesn't say that he's out of the will of God or that he's wrong. He's just saying he's so routine in his work that he couldn't vary a bit just from what he was taught. This is the way we do it. You know what? We're back in church again. It's Saturday. Here we go again. Here's the. And I'm not saying he's disrespectful. I'm just exaggerating in my own way. But he's just so routine and he's staying exactly within the channel that he's been taught. And he says, and that's about the condition today. I love it when Brother Branham does this. He reaches back to something in the scripture, and he reaches down and touches today, and he brings the two together, and he says, just like it is today. Let me tell you, that's a great, there's no, perhaps there's no greater biblical learning tool than when a prophet of God stands there and puts his hands on one scripture and puts his hand on the current hour and says, these two match. 
Then you have an answer. You don't need to guess what, what the significance of this is. And that's about the condition of the church is today. Just your regular routine, usually God comes around and interrupts that all the time with his program. Could it be that God's program is a little bit different than what he's doing in a routine sense? Yes, absolutely. That's what he's trying to teach us. That's what he's trying to get our attention uh, attracted to here is that uh, Zechariah is not uh, being evil in any way. As a matter of fact, God would never have chosen him had he been an evil-minded person or he was doing something, you know, completely contrary to the commandments of God. But here he is now in, in, the, in the routine of things, and God's not afraid. Let me tell you something. God's not afraid to interrupt your world when he's got a program or an agenda that may be different than what you're doing at the moment. Hello? Welcome to today. Welcome to our time when everything around us and everything about us has been interrupted. All right, hold on to that now. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to just, all I'm doing now is just giving you some examples here. And so let's look at another passage of scripture here very quickly here, just so that you get the sense uh, without a million words of explanation here. In Luke chapter 8, verse 41, Behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house, for he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay dying. That's the story. The mission that Jesus is on is go to Jairus' house, Right? He's on his way to Jairus' house. That's what he has agreed to do. And Jairus has told him, and this is a big deal for Jairus, because he's a, he's a member of the Sanhedrin. You know, he's a, he's a man of the temple, man of the synagogue, a ruler. And uh, he finally, out of, out of desperation, comes to Jesus. Jesus agrees, gets up to go, and he's on his way. Crowd following, everybody's curious, just like the normal uh, course of events that we would believe. And so this 12-year-old girl now is laying dying, and everybody wants to see because all the doctors have taken their hands off this, and they're wondering what the outcome uh, is going to be. And then it says right in the middle of that verse 42, But as he went, the people thronged him, and a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all of her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. What did she do? She touched the hem of his garment, and it interrupted the whole thing. And, and he's, he's, he says, hey, who touched me? Now he's stopped from the mission he's on. He's, he's on a journey, right? He's trying to get to Jairus' house because he's got a 12-year-old girl who's passing away. And all of a sudden, there's an interruption here. Hold on, there's something, something happened here. And it's strong enough to stop him in his tracks and divert him from the mission that he's on. Interesting, isn't it, that you can interrupt God? All right, let's look at the definition of interruption because this is, this is where, I, where I wanted to use those before we got here. A stoppage or a hindering of an activity for a time. Not forever. A break in the continuity of something. Something that causes a stoppage or a break in the continuity of something. That's what it is. So something is moving in a certain direction and there's a little bit of an interruption for a while. There's a little bit of a break. And so the continuity of something is broken. Now, i got to ask you the question then, is, 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 is interruption, are interruptions of God or not? Good question. So we're going to answer it this way. God interrupts. It's good when God interrupts. Number two, the devil interrupts. It's not good when the devil interrupts. And number three, we interrupt. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it isn't. Right? When the woman interrupted Jesus on his journey, was that good? Yes, it was. 
So when the people tried to throw Jesus off the cliff in Nazareth, was that good? No. No, they would have interrupted and made a big problem. Right? So, this is interesting now, because we have God interrupting things. We have the ability to interrupt God. The devil interrupts, and that seems to be his life's work, is to interrupt. And then, we do our share of interrupting too. When's the last time you went to God in prayer and said, I hope I'm not interrupting? Are we okay? Everybody here okay? I got a majority with me. Conference with God, 1959. God is the way of escape. He made a way right straight to the promised land. Anything got in his way, he moved it out of his way. If anything gets in our way, then you can have a, then have a conference with God and talk it over with him and go on. Anything interrupts you, move it out of the way. Anything interrupts you, you have the right to have a conference with God. In other words, in a sense, Brother Bram saying, if something interrupts you doing the will of God, you have the right to interrupt God to help you get on your way. Because whenever you do anything for God, you're going to be interrupted. You know what? <clears throat> this crazy, evil sickness that's blanketed the world has interrupted a lot of things. It's caused ministers to be sick. It's caused all kinds of good things to be slowed down. All the different meetings and everything else that were intended to go on. It, it's, it's an evil thing. And I, I, I curse it regularly because I don't believe that it comes from God. It's designed to interrupt things. Now, here's the beautiful thing about that, though, is that God uses everything to fulfill his purpose. Even if he did not, even if, you know, a virus is not from God, yet God can look at that, and God who knew it was coming and knows what the outcome will be, he's able to take that and use that for our glory and for his glory. Now, let's just look at something else here. I don't want to be long, so I want you to follow with me. (laughs) 1951, this was, I wish I had the whole congregation here because I know your response to this one. I've seen something move. Here's Brother Random. He's in a prayer line. Why, it's the lady sitting right here. Do you have a tumor also, sister? Go across the platform. Receive your healing. God bless you, sister dear. Amen. Let's say praise. And a brother interrupts Brother Random and says, Brother Random, I'm watching the card. Everything is checking out perfectly. Brother Random says, Them cards has got nothing to do with it. I don't know what them people put on their cards. So now the next screen should be just the word, really? (laughs) You know what this guy needs is a wife who can go like this. Really? Be quiet. Now I'm saying that humorously. That here's Brother Branham. He's under that anointing. He's got a presence right there. And he's getting the people to say amen. Now let us say this. Hey, Brother Branham. Hey, want you to know this, buddy. You're right. He doesn't need this guy to confirm his rightness. Okay? So there's a right time to pipe, you know, chime in. And there's a, a time to be silent. Now... I'm presenting this in kind of a humorous way, 
But I want you to look at this because I, I, I began to, to, to uh, take this. This is 1951. And I just began to take this and, and run with it a little bit. Here's Brother Branham and God revealing himself to his people. 1950. Great sermon. He says, come, sister. Now, everybody be real quiet. If you'll just give us five more minutes, I'll be glad to dismiss. Because it's getting late. It's at the end of the service here. And he said, just give me five more minutes. But don't move around. It interrupts. And the Spirit of God is just so sensitive. So you can interrupt things by doing very simple things that are distracting. You have a spirit. You have an atmosphere about you. And you can come in here with a bad attitude and you can put the clamps on the service, a whole service. And make everybody go away feeling, huh. Or prevent somebody from getting healed. Or whatever else. Brother Branham said the wrong attitude can do that. But here's Brother Branham now, one who is acquainted with the closeness of angels. And he's advising the people, hang on, don't move around, because the Spirit of God is so sensitive. And he's dependent, entirely dependent, upon the presence of this angel who's accompanying him. Again, 1953, I want to talk to the lady. Now, if anything takes place, watch this. If anything takes place while I'm talking, don't interrupt then. If you want to thank God, then do it afterwards if someone gets healed. That's sensitive. So, in other words, in this kind of a setting, in this kind of a presence here, don't interfere with it. Don't interrupt it because God is actually doing something. And he's, he's, he's here. I'm here. The, the sick are here. God's actually doing something. And you can actually interrupt it. So if you want to thank God or stand on your feet and praise God and be loud and, and exuberant, do it afterward. That's an amazing thing to say. That's a man who's pretty confident where he stands to be able to say that to the people. Let's go a little further. Let's say... Praise be to God. Brother Bram didn't take away worship. He just wanted it to be done in a way that was not going to interfere with what God was doing at that particular moment. Everyone reverend, if you will. Please be reverent just in a few minutes. Don't move around. It interrupts me so bad here. He says, if you just knew how the pressure of move and how the friction between the people. See, you're in a line of supernatural. And just the least move, you can feel him. It's interfering. And that throws me out up here. Please be reverent. Why? Why Jesus took a man by the hand and led him outside the city to get away from the crowd. You remember because of the unbelief in Capernaum and so forth. And he says, then it was written, look upon us, said Peter and John. When they went to the gate beautiful, you remember that? And they said to the man, look upon us. Don't be, let's not be interrupted now. Let's not be distracted here. Look upon me. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. I give unto you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Interruptions happen. But when interruptions happen, we don't get done what really God wants us to get done. But he's so sensitive. The Holy Spirit's so sensitive. My goodness, wouldn't that not then cause us to think about our movements in church? Right? That's why we don't bring our phones in and have them vibrate. Because as soon as it vibrates, you go into another mode. Or when kids are doing things or, uh, you know, running in and out two or three times during a service and so forth. Uh, and you understand what I'm saying. And I'm, I'm not being critical, and, and no one's left here, and I'm thankful for that tonight. But you understand, it, it, there are things you can actually do to grieve the presence of God. And sometimes those ways are actually very simple. 
Can I go a little further? Let's just, let's just look a little further here at this subject. Questions and answers on Genesis are really like this. When God makes up his mind to do anything, it has to be. It has to be. Satan spoiled this picture by sexual desire by the woman to bring forth children. So when you think about it, what happened in the Garden of Eden truly was an interruption, wasn't it? It was God having a design for bringing life into the earth, for establishing uh, his place with his children in the earth. But Satan got in there and interrupted God's program. Is that all right? Satan got in there and interrupted the whole thing. This habitation, watch this, this habitation to pick up these, because the only thing that you do in life is pick up your form and image what you are. And if you're redheaded now, you'll be redheaded then. If you're blackheaded now, you'll be blackheaded then, when you were 20 years old, roughly around that age. He said what you was at your best. That's the age range, 18 to 22, 23, somewhere in there. And Satan interrupted the picture, and you didn't get what God intended for you to be, you'll be. What God intended for you to be was not 72 years old and falling apart. Right? God didn't intend for old age and uh, congestive heart failure and diabetes and everything. God didn't intend for that. That's a result of the interruption of the enemy who attacked the things he could and altered what he could in damaging our health and all the other things that, that go on there. That's an interruption. That's not God's intent. That was not God's design. But Satan's job is to interrupt whatever God creates. He's a perverter of the original creation of God. And Brother Branham said, your job, he said, is to come back in harmony and in touch again with that image that you had from before the foundation of the world. And, you know, contacting your theophany and in one day stepping back into that. Not as I look tonight, but as I did back when I was that young age and stepped back into that body uh, that God has prepared from before the foundation of the world. But Satan interrupted that. Satan caused problems with that. Let me go a little further with that thought. He says, then what about healing the sick? This is 1963. He said, greater is he that's in you than, than the sickness. Do you believe that? Greater is he that's in you than the sickness. Because that's an interruption, interrupting the very laws of God, sickness is. It's an interruption of the laws of God. It's an interruption of the intent of God. It is an interruption of the design of Almighty God. Because it's an interruption... He said, well, the greater is he that's in you, that's the healer and creator than the devil that's interrupted the very program of your life. He uses that word interruption three times in that one paragraph there. Because that's what he's identifying. He's uncovering exactly what Satan's job is, and that is to interrupt and pervert or twist or hinder the progress of something, even temporarily, because that's what a lot of sicknesses are, right? Everybody raise their good hand. It's a temporary interruption of things so that you can't do what you normally would do. It's very hard for me to type. It's very hard for me to, you know, do this. And so there's a whole lot of things that are not getting done. Uh, and there's a bunch of things that are getting done painfully, but that's an interruption. They say it'll heal, and thankfully the nerve part here is uh, untingled. And I'm very thankful for that. But in the meantime, it's an interruption for me because I do a lot of things with both my hands. You ever tried to tie your shoes with one? So 
Satan's job is to interrupt. And that's what he's bent on doing. One interruption, Brother Branham said in 1965, is marriage and divorce. One interruption spoils the entire program. When human beings was running in continuity with God, one man, one woman, this woman sinned, and it threw out the whole earthly program out of continuity with God. Threw out the whole program out of continuity with God. Now here's Brother Branham, and he's actually dealing with this subject in marriage and divorce to help us to be aware of how God was restoring that, because God is a restorer. How many believe that God is a restorer? He restoreth my soul, David said. And he is one who likes to bring things back to the way it should be. To bring things back into harmony. Bring things back into continuity. And to get things that are meant to move back moving again. And not stalled because there's been an interruption. That's God's design. That's God the restorer that we know. And so when everything was taken out of continuity. And everything was taken uh, you know, out of sync with God, if you like. Because of sin in the Garden of Eden, God immediately had a remedy and allowed man to be able to carry on until he brought the perfect remedy through there. Just because Satan is able to interrupt doesn't mean that God's, God's program is stopped or that God's program is washed up. It only means that God's got to put in place a remedy or God has got to rescue and God's got to act on behalf of his people who cry out to him to be able to get back on the program again. Get back on the road again. Are we all right? Now... <clears throat> We find also, Brother Branham says in, in 1953, he says, and all the old people in the resurrection will turn back to young men and young women again. When you're old, most of us were past that bloom of life. When you're born, God intended that. And if nothing interrupts your life, you'll come, become to the full stature of a man or a woman, whatever he's intended you to be. If there's not some interruption, Satan interrupts it. And if nothing interrupts your life, you'll become to a full stature of a man or a woman, whatever he intended you to be, without any interruption. Without any interruption, hey, listen, we'd still be in a Garden of Eden-like state. Whatever he intended you to be, if there's not some interruption, Satan does interrupt him. Now, you think about Brother Branham, often when he, uh, he was confronted with a child who was sick, or a child who had cross eyes, or a funeral he did for people like Garnet Peaks, or other young people who died in the prime of life, who were even sick before they even got to the prime of life. And Brother Branham would always reach out and he'd pray even in a especially uh, a very sincere way for those people. And he referred to them often as somebody caught in a trap prematurely or somebody who's sick prematurely. This is not something that should happen in the early stages of life. And he prayed often very sincerely for people who were in situations like that. Or was there even something else going on that was not apparent? Because... This is not the way it should be unless Satan finds some way to throw a roadblock in there and interrupt things. They should grow until they come to the stature of a perfect young man or a young woman. Whatever he intended you to be, if there's not some interruption, they should come to that place. But Satan interrupts it. And I will tell you today that whatever way Satan can, he will try to interrupt God's people. He'll try to interrupt the bride of Christ. I think we're only seeing just a little uh, a, a, a smithering, uh, what do you call it, a smattering. Um, a little 
a little teaspoonful of the way that Satan can interrupt things in our world. And let me tell you something. He's very effective at what he does. And we should not, uh, we should not all of a sudden, you know, just take this position, well, you know what? We're a bride. Nothing happens to us. Hey, look around. We're not able to gather. Look around at all the things that are, that are taking place. And you know, I, I think about, you know, the, the people in Africa and the, and the people in other nations. I was talking to somebody who was in Ireland the other day, and they're saying that, uh, there's going to be probably another, uh, another two months before they're able to go at the most two kilometers from their home. Uh, the, the people up in Canada, uh, are operating on the basis of bubbles right now, whereby, uh, they've had to live in their own family bubble uh, for the last uh, month or so, month and a half. Now they're able to bring another family into their bubble. So they're allowed to associate with one other family and, and be in close quarters with that family. So, in other words, my brother said they're able to go to his son's house. They have not been able to go to, not allowed to go to his house. So now they're able to bring that family, his son and his grandchildren, into their bubble. And then if that works out, in four weeks, they're able to bring another family into their bubble. Satan knows what he's doing. And we should think, well, you know, because we're the bride, we're not affected. Well, you know what? Hey, we still believe that God is God. God's in control. God's a healer. All the things that I said on Sunday, we believe all that. We've never, that's never changed. That's still a part of the message of the hour. That's still the essence of what we believe. But you know what? Satan is pretty powerful. He's able to do things in our world to make life miserable. He does a lot of it. <clears throat> I'm summarizing a lot of that which he does by using this word interrupted. Because he knows he cannot stop God's program. But he can hinder it for a season. Watch what Brother Branham says in 1955. He's talking about a woman who's got cataracts. And he says, what happened? He said it's a, a growth and a shutting off of the sight. And that's the reason when you go blind, your nerves don't die all over your body. When you go deaf from the nerve, it didn't die all over your body. It just dies there. Or there's some, um, there's some entrapment there. There's some issue there right in that particular spot. And he said it's a supernatural force that shuts it off. But he said now if that's released immediately... It'll hurt a little bit, but that circulation will start back. And anything that interrupts nature is of the devil. God intends you to be healthy and strong, but the devil comes and interrupts what God has did. Anything that interrupts nature is the devil. And God intends you to be healthy and strong, but the devil comes and interrupts what God has done. It's interesting. I was trying to explain to the doctor how I felt, and he had exactly, precisely the same surgery in the same arm as I did. And, uh, you know, he held out his arm and showed me his scars. We're just kind of scar buddies. And uh, he was showing that to me, and I was trying to explain to him what the nerve pain actually feels like. And he, you know, he could readily identify. It's not like muscle pain. It's not like uh, bone pain or something else, you know, when you're stiff and uh, try to get up out of your chair or whatever else. Nerve pain is just a whole new category. And uh, he was saying that the idea is that once you, uh, once you open up that tunnel that's in there, 
he said then the signals are able to flow, the current is actually able to flow and come back, and then, you know, it, it energizes all the muscles and tissues and makes everything work properly and so forth. Uh, and he said it, it's just, you know, it's caused by a number of different things there. But uh, he said some people take a couple of months in order for them to feel uh, normal again and lose all that. But he said some people lose it right away. It just depends on how the surgery goes and how you're made and so forth. Thankfully, mine, uh, the, with my condition, the, the, the tingling went away right away. And so I was very thankful for that, that the signals started to come back out again because I would not want to have uh, the rest of my life spent without my signals. Uh, it's, it's, re- it's really, uh, I appreciate it very much. Uh, when you lose something or start to lose something, you really appreciate how that is. And so Brother Branham is saying that, uh, you know, it's amazing how Satan, he does not shut off the entire body because you have one situation in one part of your body, but he says that part's affected. And when that part's affected, you know what? The rest of your body knows about it. But, but there's, a por- there's a portion of you that's affected by this, and this enemy comes in and shuts that off there. But he says, when there's a release, he said that circulation starts back, and it's all about interrupting and then counteracting that interruption. So when sickness comes, that's what it is. It's, it's Satan trying to interrupt, or you know, the, the, the forces that are designed to break us down, they're at work in your body, and there's something there causing that to happen, and then the Holy Spirit's there able to, to, to release that and bring that back. I'm glad that God's an interrupter. I'm glad he's a healer, for sure. Here's an interruption. Christ's the mystery of God revealed. This is a little section of this little uh, quote. It's often used. Love one another, Brother Bram says, above everything. And no matter what the devil tries to say. Now you're all one big sweet group, but remember my warning, Satan won't let that stay that way. Guess what he's going to try to do? He's going to try to interrupt things, isn't he? And he'll shoot everything. If he has to bring somebody in to make his, make his target, he'll bring some critic or unbeliever in, sit him down, cause him to fellowship with you under the quietness of things. And then he'll shoot that guy with some kind of a poison stuff. And he'll start through the church with it. Don't you take sides with it. Don't you have nothing to do with anything else. You stay right loving, sweet, kind to one another. Pray for that man that he'll be saved too, or that woman. Pray for them. And stick one with another and stay with your pastor. He's the shepherd. Give him respects. He'll lead you through because he's ordained of God to do so. The enemy will come. When he comes, what's he trying to do? Here's a church making progress, and the enemy is to come to try to... He knows he can't destroy the church, right? Because the church is a part of God, right? Church is blood-bought. Are we Okay. Churches, I mean, we're talking about the bride of Christ now. We're talking about that supernatural born bride of Christ that's in invisible union with him and walking with him. We're, we're talking about a people that have eternal life. So Satan can't take away eternal life, right? Satan can't take away eternal life. But Satan can do whatever he can, in whatever way he can, to try to interrupt the flow and the blessing and the continuity that exists among people of like precious faith. And he does it through people that are, he's not talking about wicked people coming in here or people breaking out the windows. He's talking about somebody comes right in among you there. And he says, the enemy will come. And when he does, you just cling that much closer together. This is great advice. This is really great advice. And the one that the devil is using for an enemy will either get out or come in and be one of you. Truly one of you. And never clam or talk and make yourself 
clannish. We are, and God wants us as a body of believers to stay right exactly with one another and right at with one another. Not at one another's throats, but at one another's side so we can fight common enemies. So we can bind our hearts together against the interrupter. So we can identify Satan at all of his tricks. And all the things that the enemy will try to do to interrupt the progress. And right here in our church, and try to do whatever he can to try to hinder the, the, the good things that God is doing here. And that's what Nehemiah was saying. You know, to hear these people down there saying, hey, let's meet in one of the towns down here. Let's do this. Hey, what, what are you trying to do? You're just trying to interrupt the thing that's going on here. We're on a mission. We're here trying to restore the walls and to build the gates and, you know, hang all this back together and put it together. That's what God's told us to do. And you're trying to get us distracted and go down there and interrupt the work of God. He says, hey, no. Did the enemy stop? No. Came four times. And you read on in that chapter, it says he came a fifth time and did everything he possibly could to try to interrupt. He could not divert Nehemiah for for good. He could not stop the work for good, but he could certainly interrupt it. And Nehemiah had to stand there and say, oh, I know what this is. You know what? I know what this is. And I ain't going. And when Satan comes to us, We need to be able to learn to say, I know what this is. And I'm not going to deal with it with violence or hatred. I'm going to deal with it with love. And we're either going to pray that person in or pray him out, one or the other. But you know what's at stake is the continuity of the progress of the people of God. And Satan will try to do whatever he can to get in its way. A little further. Diseases and afflictions, 1950. And now every bit of life, he said, came from a germ. And you yourself are a germ of life. You came from your father. You're nothing, none of your mother's blood at all. If nothing interrupts God's program, it'll bring forth a perfect, normal child. And it'll grow to a perfect, normal adult if nothing interrupts it. Starting to repeat. But when something interrupts it, it's bound to be the evil that interrupts God's program. This is a common theme. And it's a common enemy we all have. His job is to do the same thing over and over again. God didn't intend you to be sick. God made you in his likeness. He wants you to be well. He's done everything he can to keep you well. It's not God's fault that sickness entered. Thy faith has saved thee, 1954. He's coming this way. These are the priests now that are looking at Jesus walking down the street, coming into their town. And after a while, I can hear a bunch hollering. Brother Bram is paraphrasing and telling the story as if he's watching it. Good evening, Father, the priest coming by. And some priest says, and the very idea that Beelzebub come into the city to interrupt our churches. He doesn't do anything but speak evil. Why, we know the days of miracles is past, and he only casts out devils through Beelzebub. He's a fortune teller, and that's how he knows who touched him and so forth. He's anointed with the devil, and he only has got the devil to help him. They perceive Jesus as an interrupter. Jesus is not interrupting the program of God, but he's interrupting a program. Very much so. But they interpret that because their program, their routine is so regimented, it is so fixed, it is so powerful among the people there. And they know how this operates. They understand how this operates. If we tell the people that we practice this enough, you know what, they'll take it as a routine. So God has to come down and send Gabriel and stand there in front of uh, Zechariah. Could not he have done that to Zechariah on the way to the church? 
Could not he have done that to Zechariah in his bed? Like, I mean, he woke up Joseph, or he gave Joseph a dream in his bed. But he's, he's, he, I think it's significant that he comes to Zechariah as he's offering the incense in the temple there, because you know what? God's program is fundamentally more important than the routine that you're involved in here. And I need to tell you that what I have to do and what I have to say and what is unfolding in your time is far and away more important than the routine that you're in. But Brother Branham compared that to our time. Maybe God interrupted everything for us to come back differently. I mean, I'm just saying. What if God interrupted everything for us to come back differently? To come back with a, maybe a greater appreciation for coming to church again. I'm just saying. Maybe... Maybe things have been interrupted so that we can come back together with a greater appreciation for each other. I'm just saying. Isn't church order a statement about preventing interruptions? Here's how not to interrupt the minister. Most often, gifts were the things that interrupted the minister in the days of Pentecost, right? An unbridled, undisciplined expression of gifts really amounted to an interruption. Paul dedicates a whole chapter to it in the book of Corinthians. Brother Branham dedicated a whole bunch of the COD book to the same topic because that's the era that they were living in. It's not so much a problem now, right, for us because... You know, we've had the message and we, you know, we see that. And we've moved farther away from the Pentecostal dispensation, if you like. It's an interesting thing that when you stop and stand back and look at the whole idea of church order, it is intended not to corner the Holy Spirit, but rather minimize the interruptions to let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. That's really probably a better definition, isn't it? It's not, a, it's, it's not meant to tell the Holy Spirit, now you do this, and then the church can do this, and the preacher can do this, and the prophet can do this. It's not putting everybody in a box. It, it's rather creating an atmosphere of order where the Holy Spirit has a freedom to operate and do whatever he wants to do. Church order is never designed to tell the Holy Spirit what to do, and we should not either tell the Holy Spirit what to do. But thank God for the boundaries that church order gives us because we know what to do when an interruption occurs. And then we know what to do to prevent interruption. That's why we have a nursery in the church. That's why we have other areas where people can take their child if children are unruly. Children aren't born perfect. They don't become perfect till they become teenagers. And so, therefore, there's interruptions that, that happen. And Brother Bram says, you know, sometimes they cry too much. And he says, he says you as a bodyguard, the deacons, he's talking about here, he says you have a, a responsibility to act. You act on the word that's given to you, just like a, a last paragraph, like a man speaking in tongues or a man who's preaching the gospel. He's got to operate according to the dictates that are given to him in the Word of God in order to use his gift properly and let God bless it. 
If you want God to bless it, you've got to operate according to God's word, right? So whether you're a deacon, whether you're a song leader, whether you're a preacher, doesn't really matter. There's a word, there's a word order for you, and you follow that and watch God bless it. Because, you know what, Satan will try to get in whatever way he possibly can in a church service and try to interrupt things. So all we're trying to do is get the most out of it, get the best out of it, and not have a whole bunch of interruptions so that, you know what, we can all leave here and say it's been good for us to be in the house of the Lord. That's all. We do it for the good. Let me show you one more interruption. Jeremiah 13. But if you will not hear it, my word. This is God speaking through Jeremiah. My soul shall weep in secret places for your pride. And mine eyes shall weep sore and run down with tears. Because the Lord's flock is carried away captive. Seventy years. This is what's called a 70 year interruption. And God caused it. God interrupts. This is not Satan rushing in and, and stealing God's people and, because God's not looking. God said, my heart weeps. He says, mine eyes shall weep sore and run down with tears in secret places because of your pride. Because the Lord's flock is carried away. So, what is this and we've talked about this part before, where God told the children of Israel, told Father Abraham, stay in this land. When you stay in this land, you're blessed. And now God allows a king like, like Nebuchadnezzar to come and take his children, destroy his, their temple on the way, and take all the vestments and, and uh, you know, all the ornaments of the temple and carry them off into Babylon for 70 years. That's what we call an interruption, folks. But what I want to start to do is to look at what Nehemiah had to restore when they came back. Because there were certain things that were lost in the years of captivity that now had to be straightened out, had to be made right. There's basically four things. And Nehemiah, in his writings, and you'd be good to read the book and try to identify those four. And notice what Nehemiah, he's, he's looking at the, the people, he's looking at the worship, he's looking at the church, he's looking at the finances, he's looking how they're conducting themselves, he's looking at the relationships among themselves and among other people around, he's looking at all of that, and there's four things he identifies that he begins to restore back to the people of God and say, these are things that we've got to get right. Captivity has done this to you. In the interruption that we've had for 70 years has changed your thinking about these four things, and we need to bring them back again. Nehemiah was involved in building walls, yes. He was involved in laying bricks and you know, hanging doors, yes, sir. He did all of that. And they restored the temple and all of that that went on. It took years and years and years, but that's what they did. Let me tell you something. God didn't condemn the people because their walls were shabby. He didn't condemn the people because there were bricks missing. He didn't condemn them because there were doors off hinges. Doors were off hinges as a result of their rebellion against God. Nehemiah is looking at this situation spiritually, and he's saying there's some things that need to be restored back again. 
because the interruption has caused them. And they've been away. They've been away out of the presence of God. They've been away in the land of captivity. This just might be a place to end and say this. That whenever an interruption takes place in our lives, it may really be an opportunity for God to now get us to look at something we were maybe too routine about. And we looked at it as normal. Hey, that's just the way it is. And we looked at it as so normal that now God may want to identify a few things and say, you know what, now that we're back in the land, let's talk about these few things. Let's stand our feet. The Lord's flock is carried away. The Lord's flock is not where, not where it needs to be. It's carried off in the captivity. But God in his mercy brings them back. Bringing them back. Nehemiah looks at them and he begins to work on some things. He begins to identify some things that no doubt God is laying on his heart. Not, he's not necessarily thinking about the budget for building and how are we going to pay the bill and how are we going to do this. He's looking at these people's condition before God and saying, what is it that we can do? What is it that we can do to make these things right? <clears throat> You're all I need. Let's sing that this evening here. I'm just, I've just been really caught up with this, this, this idea. And I, when I read the book of Nehemiah and just the different things that he did, He's, he's listing genealogies. He's listing names. And you go through, there's all the, the, these are the people who came back. And he's identifying all these different tribes and all these different ones that are there. And there's, there's listings of people that went out. And there's listings of people that come back. And, and there's an accounting, in other words. So, you know, there's, all this is going on in Nehemiah's reckoning of all, these, all this great situation that's gone on. But then when you look at, okay, now the people come back and... They're, they're the product of a generation that's been out in Babylon. They come back with some different ideas. And Nehemiah is looking at that and saying, Ah, wow, we need to speak about this in church. We need to speak about that in church. Because now he's got to look at people back where they belong, but spiritually shifted just a bit. Now let me tell you something. God would never do that if he didn't think you could move to the right place. God does that. God does that correcting. God does that altering because he knows the people of God will always respond to the word of God. But an interruption is a thing that God will use to, to, bring, uh, to bring that shake up and to bring that, create that opportunity. It's an opportunity none of us prayed for. It's an opportunity that none of us expected. But it's one of those things where God will use it as a, as, for his, for his uh, accomplishing his purpose. God will take that and use it so that he can really deal with hearts maybe in a new and a fresh way. You may not have listened to this. If I had talked about interruptions before the virus, you probably never would have really grasped the significance of this. But now you're all saying, hey, yep, Brother Barry, we're there. We know. You don't need to, you know, this is good. We got it. Yep, let's move on. Draw me close to you. Draw me close to you. Never let me go. I lay it all down.
to hear you say that I'm your friend. You are my desire. No one else will do. Nothing else can take your place to feel the warmth of your Sing it now. Help me find the way. Bring me back to you.
Because, Lord, you're one who sustains us. You're one who cares about our spiritual growth. In the name of Jesus Christ, I commit our church to you now. Pray that you would be our examiner. You'd be the one, Lord, who searches our hearts and our, our lives. Lord, may the things that really matter, may they come out now. May they, may they be dealt with, oh, Lord, that after this great interruption that we've felt, that, Lord, you would now bring us to a better place. You'd make us stronger people, Lord. We come now today to lay these things down. Lord, I just feel that pull, not only from the people here, Lord, but the people who are listening. And Lord, I, I, I speak, Lord, as one who leads this body and one, Lord, that who knows that nothing happens in this world to us in vain. Nothing, Lord, happens by chance. And Lord, every interruption that Satan will try to throw down, whether it's an interruption for Sister Sherry tonight or Brother Ron Spencer or all those who are suffering sickness, Lord, that no interruption, Lord, is a permanent thing. But, Father God, you're one who's able to help us to go get past that interruption, Lord, and to keep going on the journey. Father God, I just pray now that as we see this virus that has spread all over the world, Lord, and the uncertainty of our future naturally that lays ahead of us, we curse it in the name of Jesus Christ. We believe it is something evil. It has caused many, Lord, many good people to be sick and to lose their lives. Father, we stand against it tonight. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would keep us from all sickness and evil. And that, Lord, you would just allow us, oh God, to just stand in our sheltered place. That, Lord, we might raise our hands to the glory of God. And realize, Lord, fully that you are the one that's in control. You are our all in all. You are our strength tonight. And so, Lord, we place our lives into your care. Bless those who are in the medical front, Lord, who are dealing with sick people. And, Father, we pray that you would just have your hand upon them. We pray, Lord, for this assembly that, Lord, when we come back together in a gradual way that we're doing it, Lord, that, Father, you would meet with us. and You would breathe upon these services, Lord, and that you would just make each one very fruitful for us. We love you, Lord. We thank you for all you've done in our lives. Lord, if this is a shaking, may we be shaken well. If we have to learn a lesson, Lord, may we learn it clearly so that we don't have to repeat it again. We just commit our lives afresh to you. And thank you, Lord, for your loving, tender hand upon it. We give you our balance of our week. And thank you for your goodness to us in the name of Jesus Christ. And amen. God bless you. Thank you all for coming tonight, and thank you all for tuning in. You are my strength. You're my all in all. Let's sing that tonight as we dismiss and uh, let you go tonight. Be in prayer for our service. If you don't, if you do not get a document uh, for some reason, make sure you contact us, and we'll make sure that you get it, or at least an, uh, we're going to be putting it on the website, and it'll be posted there, so you can go there under the special section that we've created there. God bless you tonight. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. You are my
taken my sin, my cross, my shame. Rising again, I bless your name. You are my all in all. So when I fall down, you pick me up. When I am dry, you fill my cup. 